This week, gaming is getting better in Microsoft Edge, results are getting better in Brave Search, and ads are closer to reality in Netflix. It's Sunday, June 26th, 2022, and this is episode 625 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, or YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free versions of F5 Live and Pilchpoint, or on our website, pluckitslive.com. Com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There, you can uh, chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay. Plunkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plunkits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all the different ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. This has been a big week over here. Uh, we've we've got all kinds of interesting stuff going on over here. But before we get into that, Avram, how are you doing this evening? Not bad, not bad. It's been a uh, 3D printing kind of week. So... <laughs> You may notice I have two 3D printers behind me now. Yeah, of um, course. So uh, the one the one over here is the old one. That's the Elegoo Neptune 2. And then I have next to it the Elegoo Neptune 3, uh, which I just got recently. And the 3 is, is better. It has a really great auto bed leveling feature. Uh, so a lot easier to get your prints to be level um but uh what i found interestingly is that these printers really work best when you attach a raspberry pi to them and then you use uh a program called octoprint which allows the raspberry pi to serve as the control interface for the printer so um so it will send, you know, and that makes the printer wireless, which it otherwise wouldn't be. Oh, so you go nice. to your, your, the Octoprint becomes a server on your web, on your local network. So you just go to it in your browser and then the Octoprint can uh, use a camera to watch your print for you. Uh, and it allows you to upload stuff. It allows you, it has a lot of cool features. Yeah. Uh, but besides just the cool features, I found that, uh, without Octoprint, I couldn't program the printer, even though it's supposed, even though it's something other printers can do, to pause. Yeah. Uh, but with this, I can. So what I was able to do is, if you see this little uh, logo set that I've made, um, this is That's so a cool. Tom's and a hardware. And one of the big problems with 3D printing is having multiple colors because uh, filament is just one color. So at a time, unless you get rainbow filament, but even then you don't have control of which color right. it is. So uh, what you can do is you can program a pause into 
into it. So it pauses at a particular layer. So in these cases, I had it paused like right as the letters are starting. So, and then change the, change the filament from red to black. And on this one, I did the opposite. I That's printed the so box cool. in black and had it paused right when the letters are starting and changed it to red. So the, um, so anyway, that like pause command or whatever apparently does not work natively with this printer. But if you have Octoprint, what it will do is Octoprint will just pause sending the information to the printer. Um, and then it will, um, when it will be effectively paused until you tell Octoprint to resume. Because cool. one thing a lot of people might not know about 3D printing is that 3D printers use their own, depending on what firmware they have, they use their own language, like their own code language. And so, uh, if you know, so you can open up a G code file, which is like a 3D print, uh, you know, file that gives 3D print instructions, and you can read it or change it or whatever uh, because it's just a text file of code that's going over to the printer and interprets it so octoprint takes the print the printer out of that business and starts just you know sending the commands directly to the printer instead of them coming off of an sd card or whatever so anyway uh that's been cool um yeah I'm i know trying that to figure was, out what other cool wait, stuff last time Last time we talked, you were yeah. you were saying how you wished you had that capability. So it's really cool that you found a way to uh, to make that work. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's the uh, that's the trick. But um, yeah, Octoprint, perhaps the best use ever I've seen for. I mean, there's so many great uses for Raspberry Pi, but this yeah. one is like tops because you really it really transforms your 3d printing experience. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad that you found a way and I got to say the, those Tom's hardware blocks look really cool. Do they, is one in like a track on the other one or are you just no, holding them together? Okay. I'm just holding them together. Okay. I mean, it I mean, like that it would be sliding too nicely. <laughs> that would, yeah, that would be cool. But I thought about putting I mean, there's a practical purpose for this. So when we take pictures of stuff we're reviewing, whatever, we want to have this next to whatever. We Instead of a, a watermark, we want to have this yeah. uh, or something like it. So the um, so that's why I'm making a bunch of these to send to the staff, each person on the staff, so they can take some of our freelancers too, so they can take pictures with us in it. And anyway, so yeah, idea. it's... Uh, I mean, for the purposes of taking a photo, it doesn't really matter. But I mean, if you were trying to really make it, I mean, as long as you don't knock it over, it's all good. But if you're worried about it, I mean, I think double-sided tape would do the job, but I'm worried that that would show up in a photo. Plus yeah. there's some flexibility here because you could do this too, right? So um, so anyway, that's the, um, that that's how it, um, but you know, there are I many like uses for multicolor. There are many uses for multicolor sure. stuff. I mean, you might want to print uh, a model or something like that where part of it's one color and part of it's another, and you can insert mm -hmm. the pauses. I mean, it still doesn't take the place of, you know, things, everything on the same layer has to be the same. So if you're doing a face right. or something, you can't have like the teeth be white and like the cheeks over here be a different color because they're all in the same layer. Right. So, 
So it's not it's not quite as we would uh, as we would want per se, but uh, you know, it's it's getting there. I mean, it's remember when start. we were much remember we were much younger and printers couldn't do color. I don't know if you remember that, but I yes. do. And yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, how technology so. has changed. <laughs> Right, so you know we're 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 looking for that to happen with uh, with three D printing sometime, but right now this is our best bet for actually getting some color on it, and it it looks like it works real well. Um, over on this side, lots of things going on. Uh, first, for anybody who's been around for a while, you may uh, you may know that there are a bunch of old episodes of both. Um, F5 Live and the Pilch Point that have been missing off of our website. We had a storage issue a number of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. There are a bunch of episodes that have been missing. Well, guess what? I found like a hundred of the 185 that are missing and they are all processing right now and are in the in the works to, uh, to get back online. I'm really excited about that. Uh, Probably tonight, there's about 40 uh, old episodes that will be available um, from episode 237 through 280 or so, 279, something like that. Um, should all be online again tonight. I'm really excited about this. I got a bunch more to go. It is a long process because of where the files are, but uh, but it's working. We're getting them back. Um, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am <laughs> about, about this because it has annoyed me to no end that there was content missing and the fact that I found it. Hooray. Uh, so. so what you're saying is like, it's like, you're like the BBC. <laughs> Cause you yes. know, the whole BBC thing with, with Dr. Who, where they had yes. their, the, their policy was to tape over things. So there were episodes of Doctor Who that had been lost forever mm -hmm. because they didn't save the didn't save the tapes. Yep, absolutely nuts. In in our yeah. case, a storage company went kaput at the same time that uh, one of our hard drives went kaput. <laughs> uh, but I always make backups, and uh, I've literally got stacks. I think I. I think I calculated that I have just shy of a petabyte of hard drives in a stack. Well, obviously lots of stacks in the closet here in the studio and going through all those drives at like four terabytes a piece has taken a, lo a long time. <laughs> um, but I have, I've found some episodes I'm really excited about. So there's that. And then we've been talking about it in kind of hushed tones for a while. Um, our team, unrelated to Plug Hits Live, but in partnership with Plug Hits Live, has a company, uh, a new business coming. It's called Strike Esports. Uh, we will be opening um, in a bit of a soft launch on uh, July 15th with a tournament on July 16th. On a, that'll be a Saturday over at University Mall here in Tampa. Um, strikeesports.com is the place to go to find out more information. The website's still a little bare right now, um, but bear with me while I get the rest of that information uh, put up. Um, very, very excited about all of this. It's going to be, ah, uh, I'm so stoked. This has taken a lot of a lot of work. We're 
oh, what, two and a half years into this project? Um, so really excited to get this thing started the 15th. Woohoo! Uh, but between now and then, unfortunately, we will not be having another episode because um, I will be out of town <laughs> for a little bit of time. Uh, so anyway, just I guess that's a stream of consciousness all at once. That's, that's the next couple of weeks around here. Very excited about all of it, but we should probably get down to the news right now. What do you think, Abram? Yeah. All right. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately seeking an Xbox, a brand new game, or a whole lot more, you can get them all at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. To browse the products that are available and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. One of the topics that's been around for a little while with us has been uh, the growing discomfort with the app stores, whether it be Apple's App Store or Google Play. Um, there has been some discontentment with the way it works. The the seeming monopolies, less so on on Android than on iOS, iOS for sure, um, has led to some policies that have annoyed developers, publishers, and users, particularly the 30% cut that they take on um, in-app purchases that must be purchased using the company's own payment platforms, even though most of these developers already have their own payment platforms in place. Um, we've talked about Epic Games suing Apple and Google and you know having to pull Valve into it and all kinds of interesting stuff. There's the App Fairness Coalition that has grown up because of this. Um, but there's an interesting uh, additional thing that's going on right now, which is an attempt to bypass the stores. Um, one of the companies that is leading that charge is uh, Parallels. No, not the Parallels that uh, allows you to put Windows on a Mac, but with a Z. And uh, this company is uh, building a platform. They just got $3 million in investment, which isn't a ton of money, but they've done virtualization before. Um, they're responsible for uh, the virtualization of games uh, on the Facebook gaming platform. Um, they are working on putting together a platform that will allow publishers and developers to take their apps as built for iOS and Android, possibly Microsoft. They haven't talked about platforms specifically, but we know mobile apps, um, and push them directly to a web app store exactly as is, run exactly the same, and bypass the stores because it's on the web. Uh, it is a fascinating concept. I, I don't know exactly how they plan to do it. They haven't talked openly as much as far as I know about the technology behind it, but I don't know, Abram, I could see them doing something similar to how the Xbox, how Microsoft does Xbox cloud gaming, right? Um, and just streaming 
the software direct to to your browser. Um, I, there's nothing that says that has to be a game technology, right? Any software theoretically could do that. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing here is okay. So there, the question is, how is it going to have enough access to the hardware to um, to compete with actual apps from the app store? Are they going to have access to things like your sensors, your accelerometer? I mean, there are web APIs that give uh, that give you some of that data. Although, I think there's interesting questions about how persistent you can make it. Like, you know, can you you kind of have to have that normally have to have that web page open. So, is this parallels thing going to work even when you don't have that web page open? So it's a fair question. Um... I know, for example, I know I can get push notifications uh, from the browser uh, when the browser is not open. So there is some background persistence with, uh, particularly for sure with Safari on iOS. um, Android has a more diverse browser ecosystem than, than iOS does. You can have browsers and you can even set default browsers now, but you know, Apple does what it does uh, with the way software works on their devices. Um, and pinned pinned websites as apps uh, have to be done through Safari on iOS. So that means that Safari, you know, you've got the capabilities of Safari. So maybe, I don't know. It's an interesting concept though. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, that, I think that's the question. It is an interesting concept, but are they going to be able to do all the things that an app does? Right. I mean, by by all rights, I think there are way too many um, services that would like you to you that really nag you to use an app when it's perfectly okay to do it via the browser. Sure. And I would rather not have an app because for exactly the reason that the apps do have more access to my information. So, you know, and more access to persist. So like Reddit, for example, Reddit, I don't use mobile Facebook on my phone. I use the Facebook website, Mm -hmm. right? And I know that they, they hate me for it or whatever, because, (laughs) you know, it's always nagging me. But the one that nags me the most is Reddit. Like Reddit really wants to punish you for, for not using the Reddit app. The little thing that comes up in the bottom, continue browser or time. open or open uh, yeah. app, yeah, oh. yeah, every single time. And my feeling about it is like, well, but I don't want to have all these apps running because some because no matter if you close them, they are running in the background to an extent. Yeah. They are doing things to an extent, uh, and, and of course, they give starts to give you more notifications that are hard to get rid of sometimes. So if something works as a website, I really don't see why I should have to, why I should have to install an app for it. Like Facebook, like basically all the social things, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. you know, Reddit, Part- like why particularly, I visit you in the web browser on my computer. Particularly Twitter, since uh, Twitter uses the PWA and a wrapper now uh, for its mobile apps. <laughs> Like, why do you, why do you need it? Like, what is the, 
like what what is the point there it, it just gives them a way to further kind of dig into what you're doing uh-huh. so or 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 you know get give you more alerts or whatever i i really want to avoid that so i mean i think there's a school of thought and i totally agree with that that mobile that you should have mobile friendly websites and mobile friendly web services so you don't need an app yeah but there are some things that have just a lot more access require a lot more access to the hardware Mm-hmm. Games, like game, not games, are you know kind of in that in that group too. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think it, it's an interesting concept. I'd like to see how it works. Is it going to be able to do things like access the camera and the GPS? Those, those, I can tell you for sure. Yes. Uh there was there was the uh there's more of them now but there was that it started with an a i can't think of what it was called that web-based uh native development platform many years ago um that it doesn't matter Uh, apache got a hold or adobe got a hold of um and yeah well i could i could access gps uh with a an unbelievably accurate uh location uh, with that, I could access the camera in an almost identical way to to the the native app experience. So those two, I know for a fact, will be possible. So I don't know. I want to see this thing in action. I'm not gonna lie. I want to see this thing in action. Um, it's a fascinating concept. Um, I I want to know more technologically about what they're up to, um, because. Being able to take an iOS or an Android app and put it directly on the web without any code changes, which is their claim, uh, is fascinating to me. It sounds a little bit like Microsoft's, I don't remember what they were called. They had two bridges, the mobile app bridges, one for Android and one for iOS. It sounds a little bit like that, where it just imported and became a, a, a Windows app with no code changes, but I don't know. I, I definitely want to see this thing in action. Yeah, same. Hopefully we will get that chance um, or maybe we can uh, get a chance to sit down with them at some point uh, in the near future and talk to them about what they're up to. And if so, we will definitely let you know about that. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. To get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. So you did something interesting this week, Avram, that I was following along <laughs> on Tom's Hardware that I am really excited to hear more about. So, um, you know, obviously the topic of inflation and the cost of living going up are huge, uh, huge right now. But 
what if I told you that there's one area where costs might actually be going down, if not staying pretty stable, and that is the world of computer components. Which so, would sound crazy to anybody who has been listening for the last year and a half. Yes. Well, one thing that's going on is the crypto crash is having a very positive effect on on graphics card stock. And I think stock of other thing, other components as well. You have to remember that for the last couple of years, there have been a lot of crypto miners, and we're not talking about an individual one person with a computer in their living room. We're talking about you know, companies that buy farms of, you know, I don't know, hundreds of or maybe thousands of machines, and they set them up and they get multiple graphics cards per machine. And that had really, really driven up the cost and lowered the availability of graphics cards and um, and really hurt the the industry more so than anything that was going that had been going on with the pandemic or you know problems with shipping, you know, shipping stuff. The the GPU shortage is a very serious problem. Now it's suddenly over the last couple of months, uh, and I think it's no coincidence that it's happening because uh, because the price of crypto is crashing. People uh, people are no longer investing in buying new crypto rigs, and so you're seeing car the price of the cards return to reasonable prices near their MSRP, sometimes even below. And we're we're seeing that the price of other things that are other components like you know CPUs and RAM and SSDs is at least hanging pretty stable if if not low so I was doing some research and I figured out you know by just by looking at the prices that are available that one can build a pretty decent gaming PC for under five hundred dollars and you can build a okay, like 720p capable gaming PC for under $400. Now, uh, and I have an article about this on Tom's Hardware, but I wanna, wanna talk about what you need to make these things happen. So first of all, what's really important to keep in mind is that you, um, is if you're spending five hundred dollars, uh, you know, or less, you are going to have to make some compromises, but not not as bad. It's not as bad as you might think. So uh, let me pull up our configuration now. Based on my research, the the components on our in our that we recommend in our article add up to slightly less than five hundred dollars. However, that was what it was. Uh, you know, last Thursday, perhaps today, these same components would be $510 uh, or $490 because prices do fluctuate. But on the other hand, you can also find uh, substitute some parts because the really the only the two most important parts are the CPU and the graphics card. You know, get a different brand of RAM if you need to. You can get a different brand of power supply if you need to, etc. So let's talk about that 
uh, gaming PC that's under $500 uh, and has a discrete graphics card. What you need is right now an Intel Core i3 12100F processor is your best bet. Uh, that has been selling for around $106. And you know what? It's not an old CPU. That is the new generation, current generation, 12th gen processor with uh, with four cores and I believe a 4.3 gigahertz boost clock. Uh, so a, a good current generation CPU uh, to accommodate that CPU, you will need an, an, an a H610 mother, uh, chipset motherboard. Uh, we found one selling for $89. Uh, perhaps you'll find one cheaper, but we found one selling for $89 that had uh, all the basic capabilities. And uh, and the video card that you can get at this price, in this price range, is the, is something, is any video card based on an AMD Radeon RX 6400. So you can get a Radeon RX 6400 card for $159. Now, I will say this, if you could splurge just 20 more dollars, which I think most people could, uh, then you would go over $500, but I would strongly recommend doing so because then you could get a Radeon RX 6500, which is 30% faster for $20 more. So um, in either case, you can play 1080p resolution games at at least mid-range settings uh, with with either of these cards, although you'll do better with, with the 6500 than the 6400. You also are going to need a storage drive. The best deal that we found on a storage drive, this is a pretty good drive, is a Team Group MP33 M2 storage drive that gets... Uh, it's not the fastest drive on the market, but it's 1500 uh, megabytes per second uh, read and write approximately, uh, and a 512 gigabyte capacity uh, is $42. Uh, now, again, spending a little more money would help you out here because for $30 more, you can have a one terabyte model. Um, similarly, uh, we went with eight gigabytes of uh, PC uh, DDR4 PC3200 RAM. Uh, now, obviously, RAM you've got to buy uh, what we call dual channel RAM, which is a kit of two RAM sticks that are the same. The same. So, uh, our eight gigabyte kit, which is two four gigabyte sticks, uh, is twenty nine dollars when last we checked. Now, again. I'd splurge a little bit because if you could go up to $47, you could get a 16 gigabyte kit, uh, which would definitely be preferable. Um, rounding out our configuration, we have a 430 watt thermal take power, smart power supply that we found for $29. 430 watts is enough if you're using uh, a, a low end, a 65 watt CPU like we have and a relatively low end GPU like we have. Um, and, but we also saw power supplies of 400 to 500 watts anywhere in the 29 to $49 range. Uh, finally, there's our case. The case uh, was on sale 
at the time. Um, the case that is on sale right now is the Corsair Carbide 175R, which is $44 after rebate. Now, that's, um, you know, that case is normally $65 or more. So by the time someone else wants to buy, you may have to go for a different case if you want to hit this price point. There are a few cases in the $45 to $50 range natively, such as I think Rosewell's X1, I think it's X1 HBM um, case, uh, but it's not nearly as nice as the Corsair one. So uh, all told, our config came to $498 for, uh, for all of that. Now we're not including the price of, of the operating system, uh, and of course, we expect that you're going to get a keyboard and mouse if you don't have one, and a monitor if you don't have one. So we're just talking about the price of building the PC. But I think that's pretty decent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that's a, a surprisingly uh, powerful little machine for that price. Now, if you want to go even cheaper... Uh oh. We have configured a machine for under $400, $385 to be exact. Uh, and the way we did that one is no, no graphics card. For that, we're going with a Ryzen 5 5600G uh, CPU, which gives you really the best integrated graphics experience around. Uh, well, there's a slight step up in the Ryzen 7 5700G, but that is so expensive as to not be worth it. So the Ryzen 5 5600G sells for $164, uh, and it gives you pretty decent graphics that can at least get you good 720p gaming and probably modest 1080p gaming. Uh, for that, you'll need a motherboard that has a that that is compatible with it. A lot of the older AMD motherboards that are the cheapest do not come with the right firmware out of the box to run a 5000 series chip. So be careful which one you get. Uh, we found that the ASRock B450 and HDV R4 uh, says that it is updated out of the box. Uh, but of course, uh, we haven't tested to confirm that, but that is what the claim is. So you definitely want a motherboard that can you know, run the chip out of the box. Uh, and then we went with pretty much all the other parts the same, the same eight gigabytes of RAM, of crucial RAM, the same 512 gigabyte SSD and case and power supply. So the main difference is going to integrated graphics from discrete. And, and like you said, integrated graphics today are not what they were just a couple of years ago. You can actually get some, some uh, gaming performance out of it. So, good 720 and okay 1080 you said yeah yeah i mean it's it, it's it's passable it, it should be passable and uh that actually is a pretty good chip because you're also getting six i believe you're getting six cores out of that so nice uh that's i mean that, that's so it, i mean if you were thinking about it like hey i don't really i mean the the integrated graphics actually would be fantastic if you're a person who doesn't really care who's listening to the watching this and doesn't really care that much about gaming and is more about Hey, I want a, a pretty decent PC, and mm -hmm. maybe I'll play a game. Um, then, uh, then the 5600G is a great choice because it'll give you 
very decent graphics, but uh, it'll also give you really solid productivity performance, multi-threaded with the six cores that it has. So, um, so that's pretty good. But in both cases, I would, you know, we were trying to hit a price point for the article, but I would really strongly suggest that folks spend another, you know, twenty to fifty dollars to upgrade the RAM from eight to sixteen gigs, and to uh, and to go from, and if possible, to go from a five hundred gig to a one terabyte SSD. Uh, although the SSD is a little less critical because you can always buy another SSD later. Whereas with the RAM, uh, depending on the motherboard, you might only have two slots, and then you would have to throw throw the RAM away if you wanted to replace it later. And really, eight gigabytes is is eight gigabytes is not great. It's you can live with it, but I I would not personally run a run a computer with less than sixteen gigabytes today. Yeah, for sure, and. Just in the interest of full disclosure, this is coming from somebody who's sitting at a computer with 32. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, uh, right. I mean, I, <laughs> I wouldn't go below because you have your browser tabs open. Yeah. You have your browser tabs open. And, and so, like, you might not, you don't have to be a quote unquote power user. You just maybe have, like, you know, a person who likes to open new tabs a lot. You could end up very easily eating up those eight gigs of RAM really fast and eating up 16 gigs of RAM uh, in short two if you, you know, if you have enough tabs open and then your computer slows down a lot. So you definitely want to, I mean, go from going from eight to 16 and the price differential is like, you know, s somewhere depending on what the price is right now between 16 and $20, mm -hmm. I would definitely spend it. It's it's funny you say that there there was a meme going around this week that uh, two frames the top one said uh, NASA sixty four k of RAM we put a man on the moon twenty twenty two thirty two gigs of RAM uh, Chrome tab angry. <laughs> well, I think what it proves is that putting someone on the moon doesn't is about a lot of things other than the RAM, right? Very um, true. Although one interesting thing that I have noticed, and I don't know why this is, but I'd be curious if someone someone could tell me, is that on Raspberry Pi, and this might be a Linux thing, the browser uses a lot less RAM huh. than it than running the same Chrome browser opening similar websites on my on my Windows PC. That that's definitely interesting. I I don't know. May it it could just be, you know, the way the operating system is interacting with memory management, or who. There's all kinds of possibilities. Maybe Chrome yeah. on the Raspberry Pi has a has an efficiency mode, like we're going to talk about with with Edge in a minute. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it seems like. Granted, I'm not normally opening like a ton of tabs on a Raspberry Pi, but I have tried it. And it took a while, like on an eight gigabyte Raspberry Pi, it took a lot of tabs to, to, to max out that eight gigabytes. I can max out eight gigabytes of RAM in like three in like 30 seconds on, on my, with tabs on my desktop. So yeah, for sure. I don't, it, I don't know why that is. Uh, yeah, the brow browser development on the, on the PC seems to be not as uh, much of a focus. I don't know. It's all, it's all very strange. Um, but 
Uh, I think you said that you've uh, you've already got this one out in the wild. Yes. Yes, it is. So come to tomshardware.com and you will find my article on uh, how to build a gaming PC for under $500. Fantastic. Well, as always, Avram, I appreciate uh, I appreciate this one in particular. I, uh, I spent some time looking it over as I am likely about to start building some PCs <laughs> myself. Uh, so... That was that was a, a fun piece of information. I know the viewers will appreciate it as well. And as always, I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by EXA. Uh, EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience with tech like um, Bluetooth 5.0, 7.1 surround, uh, dual mics, ultra low latency in their headsets, and a whole lot more. Uh, they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank, which is the best part. Uh, and to learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions, you can go to f5live.tv slash exa. I just mentioned uh, in the pilch point some stuff coming to Edge. Uh, and that has started... This week, uh, a couple weeks ago, Microsoft said that they'd been working on some features uh, that they had planned to roll out in the near future, and uh, this week was it. Uh, most of it is focused on gaming. We'll talk about uh, the three big features that are gaming features. Uh, first is the new gaming homepage. Um, if you have opened Edge in anything other than the minimized mode, you know that there's uh, news tabs across the top with content. Uh, the gaming tab, which is which is new to the homepage, has all kinds of interesting stuff like um, current scores for uh, esports tournaments that are going on, uh, links to enter future tournaments, results of past tournaments, news from all over the industry, um, including uh, recently released and upcoming. Uh, games. It's even got uh, featured live streams. And in my research, I saw both YouTube and Twitch come across as featured live streams, uh, showing that Microsoft is not giving any priority to one service over the other. Interestingly, I never encountered one on Facebook gaming, despite the fact that that was who Microsoft partnered with when they shut Mixer down. So I don't know what's going on there. But didn't see anything. Maybe Facebook's API for finding out who's live in the gaming category just isn't as good. I don't know. Um, but the really cool part is if you are a, um, a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, you can see your games right there on that tab so long as you're signed into the browser with uh, that account. You can see your games. You can launch them directly from there and get right into the game without having to go anywhere. Really cool for people who uh, who are using the computer for gaming stuff. Obviously, I spend a lot of time in there. I spent a lot of time on the gaming tab this week, not just because of the article. I decided to write the article because I had spent so much 
time on the on that tab. There's a lot of information. I really was enjoying it, and it was it's well curated in in a way that uh, that I liked. And for people who are you know heavy into esports and things like Alante, um, that's that's going to be. I imagine he's going to spend some time on that thing. Uh, have you uh, have you gotten a chance to uh, to check it out, Abram? No, I haven't really had a chance to do a lot of game streaming lately. Uh, but I think it's I think it's really cool that Microsoft is trying to differentiate by by trying to make their browser more uh, more streaming friendly. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. Have you gotten to actually try the Clarity Boost? Can anybody try it now? Yes. So it is. It, uh, that's that's the next feature. Yes, that is a hundred percent in the browser. If you're on the most recent version of uh, Chromium Edge, which on this computer I am not, uh, I've got too many things open to close it and come back. Um, but the the uh, Clarity Boost, I was glad to not have this one upgraded because I compared it to um, its twin. <laughs> which uh, does have the most recent edge, and I had I had the same game basically side by side, and I mean edges that are supposed to be crisp are crisper. You, it's hard to describe, but you can definitely see um, you can definitely see the difference uh, between between the picture quality. Same game, same computer. Only difference is the uh, the um, the browser version, and yeah, it was a. Depends on the game. Some games were less obvious than others, um, but you know some games were massively different, which was pretty cool. It was it was a it was a distinct visual difference. So, good on them for that one. Uh, the other interesting thing uh, is the efficiency mode, which I mentioned a couple minutes ago in the pilch point. Um, efficiency mode is kind of the browser equivalent of what. Uh, Microsoft added in Windows 10 for gaming. When you when you start a game, it has the ability to essentially hibernate everything else that's going on on the computer if you turn that that capability on. Edge can now do that if you if you start gaming in the browser. Uh, Edge will essentially hibernate all of the other tabs to guarantee that you have all of the resources that you could possibly have. Partially because of what we talked about <laughs> in the pilch point, and that's the uh, the resource hogginess of modern browsers. Uh, Microsoft recognized it and said, "All right, we'll release all those resources," and just hibernates everything for you. That's a cool capability. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really important, obviously, whether you've got eight gigs, of, especially if you've got eight gigs of RAM, but. Maybe uh, even if you've got 32, uh, to be able to carefully uh, marshal your resources. I also think it's it's about more than just um, like RAM too, right? Because if yeah. you've got if you've got things, for example, running in a background tab, they could still be eating up CPU resources mm -hmm. and doing things there. So because JavaScript um, is run on the fly, it uses yeah. it uses resources. RAM, heart, uh, CPU, everything. 
Plus, you could have things that are in the background, you know, pinging network services for updates. Uh, you know, Facebook is obviously notorious for for you know having having a, a long running background thread for for updates, and they're not far from the only one. Uh, you could have things that are we talked about in the in the first segment. You could have things that are that are pinging for GPS and all kinds of things. All those resources uh, can get freed up all at once. Yeah. Now, I mean, I hope they're not going to do it to stuff that needs it, though, because I mean, you know, you want your Gmail tab to be checking Gmail when it's in the background. It's not, you know, there's a lot of things that you want to be going on in the background. So, I I hope that it's good about that. If this. If this ends up working, and I, I haven't messed around with the efficiency mode um, too terribly, um, too terribly much. I guess not too terribly means something else. Anyway, uh, if it works anything like the uh, the Windows 10 and Windows 11 mode, um, you can essentially whitelist uh, certain apps, and in this case, probably uh, certain domains would be my guess. So... Hopefully, if not, Microsoft get on that, please, <laughs> because you you certainly uh, have the capability of wanting certain things to be updating in the background, even if you are gaming. So, but I mean, this is this is a lot of interesting stuff. Interestingly, the clarity boost, while obviously you hear Microsoft Edge, you go Game Pass, you know, Microsoft Cloud Gaming doesn't have to be. Um, this, this affects games that are available in the browser. This, uh, makes, um, visuals better on Stadia. It's, it's not, it's not Xbox, uh, cloud gaming specific. This is, uh, this is a unifying thing. Uh, they're dealing with scaling and all kinds of things, um, to, to sharpen edges and things like that. And, you know, good for them for not creating some sort of an internal proprietary thing. It's very similar to what they did with Netflix, right? Um, Old Edge uh, and and Chromium Edge uh, both uh, supported uh, Netflix and 4K in the browser. And uh, last I checked, they're still the only one to, uh, to allow that. And it's done through a standards thing. So, you know, anybody else, um, you know, Hulu or... HBO Max or whoever could take advantage of it too. I don't know if they have, but Netflix for sure uh, has, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and this is this is very similar. This is you know nobody has to do anything special to make this one work. It just works whether you're Microsoft or not. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Edge has been my my default browser for quite a while because um, obviously I use a lot more Microsoft services than I do anybody else. So it it makes sense, but. Uh, th- this is a this is a huge thing for people who are gaming in the browser. Um, so I I look forward to seeing what they uh, what they add in the future. Hopefully we'll get some uh, some fine grained capabilities in the efficiency mode if it's not there already. Uh, maybe Clarity Boost even has some some future potential in it. Uh, and maybe you know the the gaming homepage has some customizations now. I'd like to see. Uh, some additional capabilities, you know, tell it 
I am not interested in live streaming, for example, or maybe I'm heavily interested in it instead of just seeing uh, one tile at the top, maybe you'd see more than one. Yeah, I'd like some, some more customization there, but it's a great, great first start. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is probably powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus standard things like worms, rogues, dialers, and a whole lot more. Use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. Another non-Google story uh, <laughs> when it comes to the web. Uh, the Brave Search, which is a competitor to Google and Bing, uh, we talked about, what, six months ago maybe, uh, that they were doing some interesting new stuff. This week, uh, Brave Search is officially out of beta, bringing their privacy-focused search engine um, I'd say to the masses, it's been available, but you know, when things are in beta, you can't necessarily rely on it because things are in flux, things are changing, things could be broken. Um, but by saying that they're confident with it, um, that's that's a good a good sign for the future. Um, the company announced some interesting milestones. Now, if you're comparing this to to Google or Bing. These numbers won't be terribly exciting, but if you compare them to much of the rest of the industry, they certainly are. Um, a total of two and a half billion queries, even in beta, which is pretty impressive, um, and f um, a peak of 14.1 million searches in a single day. Uh, that's Those are big numbers for, you know, a, a second level beta search engine. Those numbers are part of why they felt it was time to come out of beta. Um, but of course, they're also confident with the search results um, and so confident that they are actually giving you control over uh, the results. You can go in and customize um, a number of factors on your, on your uh, search results to weed out certain types of things, especially if you're doing a niche type uh, searches, you know, um, for, for me, the word construct might be very different than a sociology student, uh, right? They're, they're incredibly different, uh, meanings. I can actually focus down to certain, uh, types of results, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and again, it's all, uh, privacy focused, which we know there has been, uh, concern, as Google keeps changing their plans on what the future of of uh, search tracking is, there's been a lot of concerns over over that. So here you have a company focused on privacy. It's it's interesting. Uh, yeah, have you given it a shot? So yes. So I'm curious about something. How is sure. it you're supposed to change the the criteria for yes. relevancy? Because I'm been on their site and I don't see any way to do that. All right. So I just see you can me... narrow the time, which Google also allows. Um, 
let me let me find this real quick. Um, I had I had a link to the instructions, and I'm planning on putting together a a how-to on this this in the next day or two. Because I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember exactly how it works. Um, which isn't great, right? It's not great that it's not straight up front. Um, hmm. Let's see. Uh, um, here we go. We're going to do this live again. <laughs> um, so you do your search. Show more. Units of measure appearance. This isn't it. Nope. Okay. Um, I have I have the instructions open in the other room. Um, I wish I had them in here right now because it's been a couple of couple of days since I was messing with this. Um, I wonder if I have to be, I might have to be in the other browser. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to put together a how-to on this because you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy to do, but what, it's not easy to remember where it is, I guess is the, the right. Reality. So that, that would be an issue because if you if it's some kind of, if it's a key feature it should be discoverable, but uh, I mean you know I I think certainly there's an appetite there might be an appetite for this kind of thing uh, I mean people certainly are worried about their privacy although I think it needs to be proven to them that this is good for privacy so I don't know. Uh, you know, it seems like this, you know, in order to be really trustworthy, it would have to be open in some way. It'd have to be an open, you know, open, maybe non, not run by a business search engine, but, uh, interestingly, I, I believe this is, this is, uh, uh, open source, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong, but I think it is. Hmm. Obviously, I'm going to have to... Uh, obviously, I'm going to have to do some research on that to be sure, but I believe it's... I believe uh, the search is at least based on the, the open source DuckDuckGo search, so at least a good portion of it is is open source. Right, but it's still run by a company that is in business to make a profit. I don't know. That's true. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that that necessarily taints it, but I mean, if you're trying to present yourself, it's like, hey, look, we're the anti-Google, um, then I kind of would expect, I don't know, some type of organization that was a little bit more above the fray uh -huh. of, of business to be the one presenting it. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't like this as I don't like the look of it as much as this Google. And of course, I'm irritated because I see that 
this article that I've been trying to really pump up of mine in search is actually ranked much lower on this than it is in uh, than it is in Google. So don't use Brave <laughs> because resistor color code, which we work so hard, we're working so hard to get up in the top three. We are number like nine or something on uh, on Brave, but number six on Google. So. <laughs> Um, that's funny. You gave me a PC under under five hundred dollars and see it. See if uh, I come how I come up one, there. One, two, three, four, five, six. Resistor color code. Searching just for resistor color code, you come up number six on Brave for me. Oh, okay. And maybe it's because I put resistor. That's funny. I'm coming up as well. You know what? Uh, I'm coming up as I guess seven, but. That's only if you skip the videos and the discussions and the people also ask, but that's still seven, right? Or eight. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <who knows? laughs> I put it, I'll put in a pitch for that. I mean, that was, that's an interesting pitch point, but we work, uh, less, uh, less pounder, our associate editor worked his butt off to create a, the ultimate guide to decoding your resistors. So <laughs> that's, that's really funny. I've got, Somewhere, somewhere around here, possibly here, even in the studio, I've got the uh, the old Radio Shack wheel where you could turn it, and it would it would tell you the color code for whatever you were trying right. to do. It's around here somewhere. So, uh, a friend of mine at work asked why why they don't just put the num print numbers on them, and I really don't have an answer for that. Um, but in fairness. All of ours had both. Uh, by the time I every, by the time the end of Radio Shack happened, uh, at least for me, uh, the resistors, at least the ones that were modern, the resistors had both the uh, the color code and the the number on them. Not any that I have bought, and <laughs> and I have bought them all since the fall of Radio Shack. I think so. Um, so. Anyway, maybe, but maybe whoever yeah. our supplier was needs to uh, to step up the marketing on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, it's not like you. Can, it's not like there's selling them internationally. People wouldn't understand numbers, so mm -hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. But but anyway, yeah, this brave thing looks fine. I mean, good for them for trying to to make a dent. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, we, we talk about this particularly during events like, say, Collision, right? Uh, where where uh, we, we like to say that, you know, there, there are some products that are products and some that are mad science experiments. The mad science experiments may never make uh, a branded dent in their marketplace, but they might they might push some of the big players in their space to do some stuff. And, you know, in the end, if that's what, what this does, then, uh, you know, it's, it's at least accomplished its job. So it, it might just simply be something as, as, as basic as Microsoft or Google sees some of the things that people like about this and tries to, to head in that direction. Who knows? But, you know, competition and new ideas are never never uh, a bad thing even if the the end result isn't necessarily successful yep
This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping uh, sometimes next day, but you get a whole lot more. Uh, free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, and a whole lot more. We've got quick links to these features, plus some of our other favorites, plus a 30-day free trial if you're not already a subscriber. And don't forget that Amazon Prime Day is coming up in just a couple of weeks, so now would be the time to get familiar. You can find all of it by going to f5live.tv slash prime. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There's been rumors for a long time that it was coming, and uh, it looks like it's officially here, or at least on the horizon. Um, a new ad-supported tier on Netflix. Uh, pretty much everybody else has either done it or talked about it. Um, and with Netflix being for the the most popular plan, the most expensive uh, streaming platform uh, in the industry, it definitely um, it definitely needs something to be able to to compete. They had their their largest, their only first uh, subscriber loss in over a decade um, this first quarter, which wasn't great, and that doesn't account for all the subscriber loss due to shutting down in Russia. Um, you and I talk all the time, Avram, about how there's we're we're always right on the right on the teetering edge of whether or not it's it's worth staying subscribed yep. because there's just not as much interesting new content as there used to be. Um, and then uh, they've created some controversies with their content in kind of all directions. So you know. They, they need to do something, um, and right now price seems to be the place that they're playing. If you look at um, a number of the other services, you know, the, the price difference between the ad-supported um, and the non-ad-supported on Hulu is about a 46% discount to go with the ad-supported. Um, on Peacock, it's a 50% discount, so... It's possible that that fifteen forty nine plan from Netflix could come down to the seven fifty range. I don't know that it necessarily would. Um, probably, probably more in the seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine range is is my suspicion. But they haven't talked about it. Uh, what we do know is that they are talking since their goal is to save money and to bring more revenue in. Uh, creating a new division in the company is not the way to do it. So they are looking at outsourcing their. Uh, advertising by currently they're looking at uh, two companies uh, Google and uh, Comcast's uh, Freewheel division um, so likely one of those two will be in charge of uh, the ads that you see the current the current rumblings are that they will just be pre-roll ads but something tells me that's not the way it's going to end up being when it comes to real life, um, especially since TV shows are mostly shot with spots for commercials <laughs> already built. Ah, in. but how is how are they going to handle that? Considering that all of their current content, I assume, hasn't been filmed with that in mind. I don't know. When I watch 
when I watch their content, I can feel the 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 places where commercials are intended. Going back to the first yeah, season mean, of Stranger Things, so we're going back several years. I I can feel the point where if they were to to license the content to be on TBS, would I only choose that because they do a lot of licensed content? I can see where the ads would go. Yeah, I mean they must have been thinking about that to an extent, so maybe. But uh, I have definitely had I don't know what services I've definitely had some ad support services where it's quite random where the ads show up and it's not like it came to a certain point where, Oh man, this is the, the moment for an ad. Yeah. Right. So I guess it, I guess it depends, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea for them to do it considering that they're a very expensive service and and people are very tempted to, their lowest plan is nine ninety nine a month, and it's only in standard definition. Yep. Uh, yep. Whereas uh, I don't think anybody else is doing that. Uh, we have to pay extra for the definite for for higher def, right? Nobody that I know of. I think everything is just whatever the highest you can do now. I mean, that mm-hmm. used to be a, a gimmick, right? But I know for a fact. Uh, I would not pay extra for for like 4K. I mean, I would I like it, but I wouldn't pay extra. Right. And I have a whole bunch of plans that are give me like 4K if I if I can do it. So, yeah, I I, I don't think that that uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Here's my advice to Netflix: besides just making better content that people actually want and spreading things out, maybe more over the releasing things one week at a time or whatever, uh, they should have an annual plan because they should give you a discount for subscribing, paying, prepaying a year. I much prefer the annual, the annual things that I signed up for because I don't think about them on a month to month. Like, Oh man, I didn't, did I get my money's worth this month at a Brit box? Right? No, it's like, Oh, that's okay because when the end of the year comes around, it's like, oh, did I use it this year? Yeah, I did. So yeah. if I didn't have a do a lot of watching of it in July, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but it's also not so crazy expensive that you feel bad. Um, but when something is coming out of your you know credit card every month, you kind of feel it more. So they should have an annual plan. They should give you some kind of a discount for subscribing annually yeah they should be talking to us <laughs> yeah about some ideas I mean, most other services have that i mm-hmm. feel like now i mean disney had disney plus has it um paramount has it mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about HBO Max. Maybe HBO Max doesn't. But um, there's even, a lot of services that are... Even PureVPN has it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I think... I think you will... I mean, I think it, it, would, it would do them 
it would be smart for them, but having commercials also smart. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kirk and I talked about this Friday night. It's not, it's not the service that I'm going to go with, right? Like that, if I wasn't going to have Netflix, having the ability to pay a little less and have ads is not the thing that's, that's going to get me to get me to join, but this isn't aimed at me. Um, advertisements generally something that I, I go out of my way to, to avoid. Um, Mm, I don't know. I, I will save money and watch the ads. See, and that's exactly um, it. That's why it's, that's why it's a good idea. If they only asked me, this would never happen. But this, this service isn't targeted at me. (laughs) I mean, I just feel bad enough for spending the money I do on, spending as much money as I do on being entertained. Yeah. So if they're like, yeah, you know, you have to be annoyed a little bit and watch some commercials. Uh, I will. I just, I can't, you know, it's not even that I couldn't afford the extra, you know, whatever, however many dollars a month necessarily. It's just like, this just seems like a waste of money to, to pay for the, I don't know, convenience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get it. It, the, the the theory is totally sound with me. I have my own different struggles with it. Um, ads just drive me crazy. And yes, I know we have them on the show. And if you were subscribed over on YouTube, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to uh, listen to them. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's to each their own. And that's why you have uh, subscription options, right? We offer this show for free on YouTube, and then behind the paywall, we offer the ad-free version and some other stuff. But, you know, for me, that would be the thing, to get rid of the ads. I do it on Twitch, too. Uh, <laughs> I, I subscribe to channels that I watch a lot, specifically to get rid of the ads. So, you know, everybody's different, yeah. and uh, that's why we have options. Which And, and having more options... Uh, in this, in this case, is definitely a good thing. Um, we don't know all the details about this yet. Um, price, availability, none of that. Um, we have heard that fourth quarter of this year is what we're, what they're hoping for. So October, November, December, somewhere in there, is where the new tier will uh, come to market. And if we were to base it on the rest of the industry, forty-five to fifty percent discount is about what we're seeing uh, in general, but I don't suspect that that uh, Netflix is going to go for that. Um, it'll probably be more in like the $8.99 range is, is my guess. I have nothing to base that on except their track record. Uh, so I'm guessing that it'll be a little less than the standard definition uh, without ads. And I don't know if we'll get a standard definition with ads. Maybe. Um, I will... Everything is speculation, <laughs> and hopefully uh, they will start giving us some additional information to end some of that speculation very soon. Well, that is our show. Thank you for joining us. If you joined us live, we always appreciate that. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us, find us over on YouTube, find us on Twitch, um, and join us live Uh, right there chat with us in the studio give us your feedback as we talk Uh, we always enjoy that Um, as a reminder we will be off uh, 
uh, for the next I think two Sundays because I will be um, away on projects and my first vacation of substance uh, since the show started 15 years ago. So <laughs> almost all of my travel is because of this show. So I'm doing something different this time. Uh, so I'll be gone for a couple of weeks and then uh, Strike will be opening July 15th if you're in the area. Come check us out, strikeesports.com. Uh, really excited about all of that. We'll have more information uh, on the website. Follow us on social. Um, and same for Plug It's Live. Follow us on social uh, for for updates. We've got some uh, some so a little bit of social change coming. Um, we're gonna start, you know, mixing in some funny stuff, not just our own content. Uh, see how that goes. Anyway, <laughs> that was a lot of information, and I apologize, but. It is the last show for a little while, so I want to get all that out there. But with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we'll see you back in two weeks. Ciao.